Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Soldiers of Cinema podcast, here for our big grand episode 3-0. Woohoo! Um, 30 episodes down, which is Yay! kind of insane, considering <laughs> that it feels like we just started this thing. I um, know. So we're going to kind of continue on our, Clark and I, as, as per usual, are going to kind of continue on our... Um, little exploration outside of of just herzog and we're, oh it's not we going to be last, little cullen it's oh, going to be not. huge yes. that's we're right going across the wasteland today. in this in the same way <laughs> in the same way that the that mad max 2 opens on academy frame and then expands into cinemascope yeah. when we see the last of the v8 interceptors and his and their fake <laughs> supercharger blower come yeah. into frame we're going to expand our horizons right yeah, and so so as how'd you like as that you could probably that awesome. surmise from here, uh, we're gonna be doing Mad Max today. We're gonna be doing Woo-hoo! the first, the original trilogy of Mad Max. So excluding Fury Road, just because that's kind of a different beast. Yep. Um, so we're doing the the original '79, and then uh, Road Warrior and Thunderdome. Um, and Exciting. so I think this will be a lot of fun. I mean, it, it had been for me ages since I'd seen these. Actually, I'd never seen Thunderdome before. I'd seen. Oh, this parts be of Thunderdome fun. on television. Oh, this will um, be like fun. Like on reruns over the years. Uh, yeah. But I've never just sat down and watched the entirety of Thunderdome. Um, whereas I remember, I think the first one I saw as a kid was Road Warrior, and then uh-huh. I saw um, Mad Max One a few years later. I didn't realize that Road Warrior was a sequel for a really long time. So yeah, let's um, you know. So let's talk about that real quick. So I want to. It's interesting. I. It's always fun, you know, especially with films like this. And of course, by you know by today uh, especially since the release and the wild success of fury road yes you know yeah. everybody knows mad max mad max is we're going to talk a little bit about you know he's uh that character and and especially certain aspects of the thunderdome film have become part of pop culture they yeah, are lots of video games part of the lexicon and, yeah. it is you know like it, there are it's just permeates our culture, but it wasn't. It's a always, genre in and of itself. It's a like genre you can, you can in and of itself. Describe something as like Mad Maxish, you know. But but it hasn't always been the case. No. And of course, mm-hmm. like we we have like uh, you know you and I are, are a generation apart. Um, we are what about twenty years apart? Mm-hmm. And so you, it's I always love to kind of compare how we came into you know how, what our relationship is uh, with these films that we're reviewing or not really reviewing but we're discussing. And this is especially interesting to me. Um, you know, there's there's so much analysis that's been done about these films, like I was kind of hinting at. So these films are, you know, everybody knows these films. They're hugely popular. Um, anybody who's a fan of cinema has likely seen these films uh, at mm-hmm. least once. And, and certainly you're aware of them and kind of have a vague idea of their impact. So there's been so much analysis and so much, so many words, you know, ink spilled on these films. Uh, and so I don't think that you and I are going to be able to, you know, to, to provide anything kind of new really in that mm-hmm. realm, mm-hmm. except, and this is what I love about this podcast, our own personal relationship with those films. Yeah. Uh, and that's, what's so fun to me about cinema, uh, is that really, you know, half of that art form takes place in the mind of the audience. So, uh, so I, I'm really interested to see how the difference between how you and I came to these films. So tell me a yeah. little bit about that. Like, again, you're 20 years, you know, you're 20 years younger than me. So how did you kind of, how did these films find their way into your life? And what was your experience? So them? I was, um, I think probably eight at the time. My uncle showed me um, 
road warrior. He used to, uh-huh. like, I used to that just basically, uncle. Uh, There's always yeah, that exa- uncle. No, uh-huh. yeah, the uh-huh. uncle that shows, he used to basically just show me movies that were, like, probably way too old for me. I remember he showed <laughs> me awesome. Doom as a kid, and, like, nice. of course, this, and, yeah, a whole bunch of other, like, Apocalypse I Now, I think was one of them. Um, but so he put on, uh, and he always had, like, the biggest TV, you know, this is back probably, like, 2005, and he had, you know, the, this, like, So would that be, like, a rear project? Oh, he had a flat screen by then? Yeah, I can't he remember. was one of the first people yeah. I ever knew. Like, it was when flat screens were first coming out, and they were probably, like, 10 grand. Yeah, and yeah, had, like, surround awesome. sound and all that. Um, nice. So, oh, that's so a great I remember, uncle. So I remember him putting on uh, Road Warrior, and it was, like, uh, and I, I mentioned this to you earlier, but I, the, there's a visceral memory that I have. And even though it's been so many years since I'd seen it, I still always remember this one visual of him uh-huh. right at the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. when he pulls open the door of the tractor trailer and like the body falls out on him. Right. And that terrified me as a kid. Like that was what I thought. I, that's kind of why as a kid, I always thought of these movies as horror movies. Like they weren't uh-huh. post-apocalyptic. They were like scary, yeah. you know, zombie flicks or something. Yeah. Um, and um yeah, and so that was the, my first experience with it. I remember thinking it was insane and that it was, like, this very weird. I think I kind of watched it's that, such a great scene. Enough, almost back-to-back with Blade Runner. And so I kind of almost have this weird connection between, like, I think as a kid, I made up this this almost, like, mythos in my head that, that I do too. Mad Max was the, the, the country of Blade Runner. Like, they yeah. existed in the same world and that it's Blade like Runner the was the city. And then, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Mad it would Max be like that. Country. Well, it's, you know, I don't think you're alone in that. You know, uh, I have a similar connection. But okay, so so you saw Road Warrior first, and it mm-hmm. sounds like it had a bit. Now, what did you think of it? Outside of being kind of, um, you know, it, it, it was impactful. You were kind of like freaked out by the scene where in the, it's in the first few minutes where Max is being chased. Yeah, and there's a little few he, jump scares and stuff. And yeah. he like flips the script and he, you know, he, he gets them. And right, he he comes across a, a tanker truck, which ends up being pivotal to the story later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and so he opens the the cab door, and out falls this seriously awesome looking grotesque yeah. dummy with like and there's like a scream bulging. sound effect as it does like ah! and it sounds like it's alive. Great, yeah. Oh god, there's this, and there's some great sound effects in this. You're right. There's that yeah. great scream. Yeah. Sound. I remember as a kid, like I watched it on VHS. And so there's no real good like pause functionality no, in, on VHS. No, have to wait for the but, tape to. Yeah, stop but I and, remember yeah. trying to like pause it like right on the frame, you know, because that that dummy is only in frame for like, I mean, it's only on screen for like six frames, or I mean, it's very, yeah. very, very short. And uh, so I remember trying to pause it, like, how did they do that? Was that like a guy in makeup? Was <laughs> yeah. that a dummy? Like, what was that? And I remember just like being mesmerized. Okay, so. So, uh, what did you think of the whole film when you? Oh, were so I, I mean, I remember it was one of those things again that I loved, like yeah, like very similar to what we were sort of talking about in the um, personal kind of stories episode that we did two episodes ago. Uh huh. It was like anything at that point that scared me or like, you know, made me go away from the movie but still think about it and still kind of be affected by it was always yeah. something that I really liked. And and so I was never, I would never say that I, I was. Um, you know, even as a kid, I wouldn't say that I was a, a fan of Mad Max because I didn't watch it that much. You know, I think I only mm-hmm. saw it probably twice as a kid. Um, now you're talking about it, our, no, Road Warrior? Road you Warrior, were, sir. Yeah, now, Road Warrior. Because you hadn't seen Mad Max yet. You no. saw Road Warrior first. And most. And so I thought that it was just, yeah, I thought it was just the one. I, I didn't know okay. that there was a third one. I didn't know that there was a first one. I thought that the Road Warrior was just because, of course, I'm not quite sure what the marketing was, but I know that it was initially marketed as Mad Max 2 and then changed to, well, so to Road I, Warrior, right? So I'll clarify a little bit. So in North America, the films were marketed slightly differently around the world. But in North America, 
Um, it's my understanding that so the original Mad Max film, which uh, is was released in 1979, uh, was actually a huge success in Australia. It, matter mm-hmm. of fact, it was the most successful independent film ever made uh, until Blair Witch. And in the world, mm-hmm. not not just in Australia, yeah. but it was extremely successful in Australia. Uh, so when it was sent over to the United States, a couple of things happened. Um, it was, well, the first film I'm talking about, I actually, you know, it might have been because Road Warrior was made so quickly, just two years it was released after Mad Max. Yeah, it was 79 and 82. I can't right? remember exactly, you know, we're going to, somebody's going to be able to clarify us, uh, clarify for us uh, in a comment or something, but um, maybe... The Road Warrior was released in North America e- either maybe slightly before or about the same time. Or, you know, there was something kind of timing situation there where the distributors in North America said, you know, uh, nobody's going to know who Mad Max was. People in North America hadn't seen Mad Max. There wasn't mm-hmm. this the- theatrical distribution. Of course, they I think they underestimated how popular Mad Max had been on VHS. VHS and home but, release. So, yeah. Right. So they they said, you know, hey, look, no, it's not Mad Max 2. Let's call it something else. And so The Road Warrior was its original release title in North America. Right. To it kind was, of, yeah. It was only mm-hmm. in, later once, you know, the films really had a wide audience that uh, I think they tacked back on, you know, like Mad Max 2, The yeah, Road Warrior. Yeah, now it's kind of Mad Max 2 colon The Road Warrior. Exactly. Yeah, but I always common. knew it. It was just The Road Warrior. There Me was too. no Mad Max yeah. anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I was so that was exactly it for me was that I I only knew it as like it was it was kind of funny. This is a a bit of a, you know, unrelated, but I remember my friend had the same experience with like Star. He saw Star Wars 77 Mm. and didn't know that there were any sequels (laughs) for the longest time. (laughs) But it was the same thing for me was I, I, yeah, I saw The Road Warrior. Okay. I thought that was it. Um, Yeah. And then it was probably not until I was like maybe in grade nine. Okay. So, you know, arguably maybe like eight to ten years later okay, that yeah, i good. um that i i watched uh mad max one okay now how did you and find out about that film was that where you i think i knew like... like i think i i pretty much you know in middle school and stuff found out that there was a first mad max and just never really got around to watching it um, okay. of course then there was no like netflix there was no sure you know, you much harder that was back yeah. when you still had to go to blockbuster and get it and usually when my family would go to blockbuster on a weekend it would be to get a, something that we would all want to watch so didn't really have the the say to con- convince them to get uh, yeah. Mad Max one, but uh. Um, but yeah. So I finally watched it probably in grade nine, and uh, I remember loving it. But I, I remember thinking like again as a kid, the Road Warrior was always like the cooler one because it was kind sure. of bigger. It was it was more it's bigger. There's more of a bombastic. World, yeah. More and action. Whereas what I found what was so funny about this time I watched it, mm-hmm. um, and again it's been so long since I watched uh, either the first or the second that. I found myself, you know, I love both of them, but I found myself enjoying the first one a lot more. Interesting. Like I found when I, because I've watched them right back to back all in one night. And so I watched the first one and I was like, man, this is awesome. I forget how, I forgot how, you know, intense Max's intro is and how, yeah. you know, how it's, how grounded it still is. Like, I love that it's still got the, the idea, like they go into a yeah, hospital. Yeah, especially the whole, like, and... the whole like second act, you know, I mean, yeah. there's a whole, there's a huge chunk of that film that is, you know. Where it's like all romantic and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. it really like changes radically. So, okay. And so I, just... but I just found myself really loving that. And I don't know why, but I just much more than I had in the past. And then I well, watched. We'll go into that. Um, yeah, we'll go into that in detail in a bit. Yeah, so, yeah. And so, so okay, so it was, you, you see Road Warrior first as a young kid. 
you're you're like a freshman in high school when you see Mad Max, and then where where did you catch Thunderdome? Was that it was this? always on? T- it was one of those things that was like on AMC and or that's something. Where, that's like right. It that's was what, just kind of you said you'd never TV. seen it all. Yeah, I'd never. So I would just see it. Wow. Um, you know, I'd probably honestly seen it a few, not a few times, but I'd probably seen Pieces. clips from it as like a kid and not yeah. known that it was had anything to do with Road Warrior because gotcha. it is. A, it's another one of those examples where it's like it's, it's very, very different. different. He doesn't have his car. The yeah. only car chase in it is really the ending. It's a train um, chase. You know, he's got long hair. <laughs> he's got you know even just the, it's much more. I would say what what um, Thunderdome reminds me a lot of is like kind of like Willow almost. Okay, like that like eighties style of sort of sci fi. Well, fantasy. especially the second half. The, yeah, the, where they get to the kids and the yeah. The and well, and there's forge, a huge yeah. tonal shift, and we're gonna talk about that too a little bit as well. You know, George yeah. had a different partner on that film. Uh, of course, Byron Kennedy double the budget of the previous double the budget. It was PG 13 as opposed yeah. to R for the first two. Like, you know, Byron Kennedy was of course, uh, no longer alive after the first two films who mm-hmm. was, you know, integral to the creation of Bad Max co-creator with George Miller. So, you know, definitely a lot of different, they probably a lot of, st- uh, studio pressure, uh, yeah, but I actually, I don't know, I don't know what your, your opinion appealing. on Thunderdome is, but I, I actually liked it a lot more than I expected to. Um, I, I actually like it quite a bit. I'm actually yeah, a big I, fan, and and uh, and I've been a big fan of all three films for a long time. So yeah, yeah. And I, I saw when I was going into it again, having only seen, you know, probably maybe a half hour to forty five minutes of it at a time on again like AMC. Like I've probably seen yeah. the ending and maybe the With opening a few times and edited um, and exactly yeah, yeah. And, and probably on an old like CRT screen or something, but. Um, I, I remember, you know, and, and then you just get the kind of like pop culture lingo of like, oh, yeah, yeah, the third one sucks. The third one's not the good one. The third one, you know, is so different, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't have right. any car chase. And so you just kind of get into your head this idea that it's like, A oh, I'm film. probably not going to like the third one. It's probably going to yeah. be the, you know, the one that just kind of falls flat. But no, I, I was like, this one's really, again, I think if you go into the third one expecting the Road Warrior you're go- you're not going to get that because again, I, and that's probably no... what a lot of that's probably yeah. what happened. I mean, I even remember at the time. Uh, so I because I was I was old enough uh, to actually I saw that film in the theater. So yes, yeah. Thunderdome I actually saw in its original North. It was eighty five, right? It's, yep, and it's you. Yeah. I was nine years old, uh, and I actually remember seeing that film in the theater. I, I I liked it a lot, but yeah, for me, real quick, just to kind of uh, kind of pair or show you know kind of uh contrast my experience with the films real mm-hmm. quick and then yeah we'll go into some of the, how the films were received and some other things but i mean for me it was like yeah i uh you know my father was kind of an early adopter of uh electronics he actually worked for electronics companies several different at some point yeah mm-hmm. consumer electronics and so we always had like vcrs and you know, th- like, uh, like the old JVC cam recorders. Cam I, recorders we had that. Yeah, my dad actually worked for JVC when I was mm-hmm. a kid. So we got to have all that kind of stuff uh, pretty early on. But um, and my dad had um, as part of this, like his job selling consumer electronics, I think he actually like went to the very, very early, you know, before chains, uh, mom and pop video stores to like sell them equipment um, mm-hmm. as part of his job, like working for in consumer electronics. And so he knew, like, he had good relationships with, like, all of these local uh, uh, tape rental places and stuff. And when they were, like, fairly rare, kind of cutting edge, you know, it's not widely accepted, not widely practiced, kind of like it ended up, you know, being with Blockbuster and Hollywood Video and all these other different companies. 
uh, until, of course, they went away. And <laughs> now they're gone. And now we have Netflix. We've gone through like several cycles of technology mm -hmm. now since then. But but um, so and I've already told you about how uh, I kind of found Mad Max. And that was that my parents had these viewing parties when I was a kid. And they would purposely get these grindhouse, you know, exploitation genre flicks, which, of course, Mad Max absolutely is one of. And so I caught glimpses of it when I was extremely young and um, I was just blown away and mesmerized by it. And that was and the funny thing, too. Uh, I think most people probably know about this by now. But at that time, it was dubbed and all of the actors mm -hmm. were dubbed. Yeah. So uh, at which including uh, Mel Gibson, everybody. Yeah, Everybody. Okay, Mel Gibson was dubbed. Everyone was dubbed. Um, and, and because it wasn't just that the American distributor thought the accents would be a problem, but there's actually a, like a lot of Australian specific slang in the film yes. as well. Yeah. And uh, so all of that personality was removed, but the visuals were, were still so powerful to my little mind. It's like you were saying, you know, it's like when you, that you're so impressionable and when, you know, that the, these scenes can be so just vivid and impactful and it leaves you thinking about them you know for for a long time after you've watched it but yeah so so i was was blown away by that and uh so and i you know it was, this is with my father's help i mean i you know it was like i'm sure he knew that the road warrior and mad max were kind of you know were in the same universe and that one you know road warrior was a sequel so he would just rent them for me mm -hmm. and because i loved the you know first one so much so as a kid, I always preferred Road Warrior mm -hmm. um, as a kid because it's it's just so much more a visceral movie. It's, you know, it's uh, it's definitely it, like if you haven't seen them, I would say Road Warrior definitely shares the most uh, with with Fury Road. It's just it's just a distilled. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. like uh, it's just a very, very precise distilled it's brutal too the, like the they you know the tide guys it's on the top action. of the cars just, and yeah and there's more of a there's more of a world because they had some yeah. budget so there's you know mad max uh and and i very much love that film too but it's you know they they didn't have any money on it so there's mm -hmm. no none of the world building that that really stood out to me as a kid in and road warrior and mad max too i mean just the costumes and the cars and mm -hmm. um and of course it wasn't dubbed so i had the the language you know and the actual actress performances there as a kid as opposed to this watered down version yeah. i don't think i saw mad max with the actual real di real uh, australian dialogue until it was released on dvd mm -hmm. uh it took a long time for that to get and they probably had a laser disc you know uh, addition somewhere yeah, along yeah. the line, but, but I never had I'm a laser sure display yeah. so so it was probably wasn't until like two thousand plus that I was actually able to see Mad Max as it was actually made, as it was mm -hmm. intended to be seen. Um, and then, like I said, and then I saw uh, Thunderdome at the theater. My parents took me because, of course, they knew that I loved these films. And I mean, my I, I mean, it was like every week we would go to the video store and my dad would rent Mad Max and Road Warrior just back to back to back. I mean, I could still remember the, the cover, especially of the Warner Brothers Mad Max VHS tape just um, uh, had a huge impact on me. So for me, I mean, that was like uh, I was so much more into that than I was Star Wars or you know, any of these other films that were so such huge big landmarks, franchises, yeah. big franchises, even Indiana Jones, which I loved. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it was probably I could say that The Road Warrior was the most singularly impactful film of my entire childhood. It mm -hmm. was a huge part of, uh, you know, inspiring me, motivating me to uh, 
to to get into the world of film. Uh, just it just it was just the right thing at the right time for my little young brain. So <laughs> interesting, yeah, yeah, yeah. It it really was, and it's it's something that's it, it has stayed with me to this day. Um, I my love is not diminished for all the times that I've seen the film. Uh, it, so it's, I. Uh... I'm curious to know, um, yeah. too, So, because I'm assuming that even when you had the original Mad Max, that was the dubbed version, it was probably pan and scan, it was probably... Pan and scan. Yeah, so so, was, it so like what was your crap. initial, like, when you got to see it uh, in its full form, what, yeah. what was your reaction? Like, did it feel like you're watching a new movie? Or oh, did it did. It, feel, it, yeah. it did. Yeah. I, I actually have a pretty vivid memory um, uh, of of the feeling the the number one biggest thing that I felt was, which you were probably, so that means you were probably my age when you first watched it. The, when the, I, original, the, 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 the actual, authentic version, the yeah. authentic, yeah, we'll call it the authentic version. Um, I, what I was totally blown away by was how good the performances were because that was completely lost in the dubbed version. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I was like, Holy crap, this is actually good acting. This is actually like these performers are actually like this because, you know, at this time I'm much older. So I kind of, you know, I have the language to kind of analyze these things where, of course, I did yeah. when I was eight. Yeah. But that was the biggest difference because the, the dub version is so bad. Well, it's um, funny that they would dub like to me because because Mel Gibson, of course, was born and lived in the States until he was nine, I think. But he did have Australia. an Australian accent. Yeah. 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 And but even then, like I find that his accent is much more mild, very mild, mild and sort of almost more of a, like a, I would describe as a global accent where it's yeah. like you just sort of sound like you're speaking English. It doesn't really have you got tinges of certain, well, especially things, but, later, um, especially in the later films, for yes. sure, because, of course, yeah. he 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 rounded that his accent out for his work as yeah. an actor. But yeah, um, but no, I, I mean, I, again, I think it's so like again just to go through just real quick not not like plot by plot but but I, I just think that it's it's interesting how so like the first one to me is is very very um grounded it's yeah. it's like more of like a warriors type thing where it's yep. like oh these gangs have gone crazy but there's none of the like you know the implied kind of like cannibalism or like cults or or like well you know nomadic people living out and there's sort of more of just like it's like it's lawlessness and that and, these, and that's these cops and, are kind of the, the only, and know. they actually tagged on, tacked on that, you know, a few years from now. And then yes. they, they tacked yeah. on that title because like they didn't have the money to film at any actual locations. Yeah. There's yeah. very, you know, so, so it was, it was like, outback. so it's like, well, how are we going to like make this fit? You know, it's like the police station is this rundown, you know, place yeah and then we, they've got we the don't hospital have... that's like clearly only only cops are afforded health care like, yeah, yeah yeah it's like well how are we gonna how are we gonna do this oh yeah. well, let's say that it was it's like a little bit in the future and you know we're on the brink of lawlessness or you know so that's yeah how and, that and it's came it's out. it's funny too and it's so you get to that but like again it's it really does and i've i've i don't know if you have but i've been to australia it just looks like not the like it's not it's not um you know you don't get that desert that nuclear wasteland that sort of comes up in the later ones mm -hmm. you, it's just it just sort of like is is the decay of society and that yeah. lawlessness and stuff so it's very it's much more grounded much more yeah you know again there still is like a, a law enforcement because Matt, right. Max is, of course, a, a police. There's cop, still like civilization. Kind of there's restaurants. Yeah, yeah they like say that it's, it's like outside of, you know, like they they kind of imply that like the big cities are still relatively civilized, and that it's yeah. more the interior of Australia, like the outback, that's kind of gone nuts. Yeah, um, which is a lot of fun. I mean, even that is just kind of a fun world built. Like even though it's not as 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 you say, like built up in terms of lore as the, the later two. Um, it is sort of a fun like midway between like oh this is kind great. of like a, a little like great. 
Yeah. yeah. It feels much closer to our reality. Like, it feels like, again, when they say, you know, if you, it feels like it could be, like, seven years out from now. Whereas the next two feel like it's, like, well, you know, they talk about the old world in terms of, like, as though it's legend and as though right. it's, like, you know. Well, thematically, mm-hmm. it works perfect, right? Yeah. Uh, thematically, it's perfect because this is, you know, the first film is where, um, where Max goes mad. The first yes. film, you yeah. know, so the landscape, and, and this is one of the things that I find so beautiful about the film. It's something that has really inspired me. It was, these films were a big inspiration for me for studying Joseph Campbell and, mm-hmm. you know, the the hero journey. Um, and I, I feel like these films very much fall in line with that. I think most people were probably turned on to that by Star Wars of my generation. But yes, yeah. Where, where Lucas specifically stated that that was a... Um, yeah, inspiration journey, for his yeah. arcs but but for me it was this film and i think you know that the landscape is such a beautiful uh representation symbolic mm-hmm. representation of max right they're they're one and the same but yeah that here we have max he's got a wife he has a child civilization is still there we're on the brink but um but there is you know we're not there yet and when max loses his wife when max loses his child then we have that shift where Max he is now mad. Yeah. literally and figuratively in the wasteland. And so for Mad Max 2 to start where this has really progressed now mm-hmm. makes total sense. And then Oh, no, yeah, and it actually works really. It, it works It's actually one of the, yeah. because, because it almost apl- implies in the second one that it's like he's now going further into the outback and that he's like going further into in the, the gang controlled territory. And so then, because we get the whole idea again that, the people that are leaving, they're trying to get to like to the coast where there's this like whispers that, you know, civilization still exists. And right. Um, well, the second one is like, right. We, we have this, this really cool introduction with stock footage and actually yeah. even some footage from, from the first one, from the yeah. first film where they actually flush this out much more where, you know, the world ran out of oil. And of course this caused wars fighting for, you know, cause especially at that time, right. Uh, that was a, that was a, a, a real concern and of course it still is it's kind mm-hmm. of changed a little bit now where we're worried more about uh global warming and climate and water change and than stuff we, like and, that yeah. than we are necessarily about petroleum running out or but nuclear was, devastation and stuff yeah right but that was a big you know that was a big fear especially coming off of the you know the uh the oil crisis in the 70s mm-hmm. um so there was like very much you know this real fear and and it's my understanding that that was kind of supposed to be a little bit more of mad max but again budgetary constraints. no budget yeah i mean we do actually see that have that scene where the gang steals gas from a tanker yes it's, it's yeah, really you're kind of you're stunts. planting those ideas for the planting ones, these yeah. ideas yeah and it was and it just worked out great you know this kind of these budgetary constraints kind of kind of uh i think they really played into the strengths of that and mm-hmm. left this really open you know this open canvas for exploration into the other films which is also because uh, I, I what i find too is that the third like thunderdome really reminds me of um army of darkness which is the third evil dead movie ah, like, where it's kind of again comedy. It, it it fits it much more like more again it's pg-13 so you mm-hmm. like again one of the things that i always compare it or kind of like compare them with is that in you know in um mad max 2 you've got uh like those those captured prisoners that are tied to the front of the car and it's like mm-hmm. very brutal and then they at one point slam into the back of the the trailer and it's like you can see the blood squirting and you know <laughs> all the, it's very very brutal I love and again it. much it... more similar to like what 
goes on in Fury Road, whereas is Thunderdome is much more, again, of sort of more of like a fantasy. Like it's like these like nomadic civilizations that live out on the, the desert and like Max is sort of like implied to almost be like this mystical figure of legend. And and so you get into this much more fantasy kind of um more fantasy genre. yeah there's more world building um yeah. yeah i mean you know we're kind of jumping around all over here but yeah it's you know whereas mad i feel like you know road mad max almost even it's funny looking back now almost has you know it's like there's there's it's almost like a drama in a lot of places yes you know it's yeah. like you've got this whole section of max with his wife and his child and you know they're going on vacation and i mean there's you know it's it's a. Uh, it's you've got this friendship with goose and um mm -hmm. and all these kind of things and then road warrior is very much just i almost feel like that's just like it's like a straight shot i mean it's just like you know oh doesn't waste any time it yeah. doesn't waste any time and not even, that the, i mean not that i i didn't find in the first one that it was like it no. felt like it was a hard to get through it was actually very enjoyable but no, no exactly like exactly they cut all the fat in the, the not second. yet i'm not talking yeah. about boring or not boring i just mean yeah. like like uh story structure wise road yeah. warrior yeah. is just it's just if if it's like a highway that's just going straight there are no detours there's no offer it's just like boom mm -hmm. and, which is i mean again it would be like to me i almost find if someone were to watch them it would almost feel more appropriate to go mad max one two and then Fury Road, and then Thunderdome. <laughs> like, I find that Thunderdome feels like it's way beyond, and that, like, Max is older, he's, you know, he's got the gray hair and stuff, uh -huh. whereas Fury Road, to me, I don't know what the actual chronology in terms of the world is, but Fury Road feels, to me, much more like a direct sequel to uh, Road Warrior than it does to Thunderdome. In, in many ways, I absolutely agree. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Fury Road is, is built very similar to road warrior mm -hmm. and so the two very i mean right they've like they they follow this the very similar structure uh they've got the long drawn out chase scenes mm -hmm. um so yeah they feel very similar but yeah i mean the thunderdome was so inventive and yeah. i no, mean i love thunderdome and yeah. you know but but starting even with road warrior i just you can't give enough credit to the costume and production design oh the god people yeah who built these cars the people who uh built these costumes um, I mean, it's especially with two, it's like that's all you have to build the world because you're, you know, the the outback basically is this open canvas. It can be yeah. anything. It can yeah. be anything. And when they the costumes were so uh, were, were built with such specificity and such detail and so were those cars and they they tell the story of the world, which is just fantastic. And Thunderdome takes that to you know, an even greater level yeah. um, with yeah. Barter Town, that, you know, the construction of Barter Town and the and idea. And like you get, you get the legal system, you get you've like got Thunderdome is Thunderdome yeah. and, and break a deal, spin the wheel, two men enter, one man leave. And so these are so inventive and so captivating that so many of these things found their way into our common lexicon. And yeah, you know, and even just the idea too of like the, the, like the political relationship between like who controls the energy really controls the you know the city well, and stuff master and, yeah. blaster i mean these yeah. things i have run into people who were not even aware that this language came from this film mm -hmm. and they use this language like i've had people like you know two men enter one man leave and i'm like do you know where that comes from and they're like i don't know i've just heard this and i'm like yeah. oh my yeah. gosh it's mad max thunder you know are people i mean uh whether it's like a tupac video california love which is like they completely stole the thunderdome idea um it it's it was so interesting to me to see so much of this enter like pop culture 
Um, mm-hmm. But you're right. You know, people, there were a lot of people who felt like that this film Disneyized Mad Max. Yeah, which I honestly, I but I didn't, one of the things that I, I didn't find that for was because I found... If anything, what felt more Disney to me was the feral child in two. Oh, like I find that that yeah, I find that that kid like just like a kid who's like very good at essentially Throwing killing his people, boomerang. which is not you know not of course very Disney for a kid to kill people, but I just mean that like that to me is really that's the, interesting. See, it's, I it's never... my it's not that I find it it doesn't take away from the movie for me, but it's just I'm I like I almost feel like if you, if the feral child wasn't in two that it to me wouldn't really have much of an impact i i I don't really so that that character but i would disagree i would disagree and uh an email if you're email if you're listening i think your performance as a kid there was awesome but uh (laughs) but uh i uh i disagree i think that the feral kid is a really important part of that film in that it's it's it there's one place where mad max has a connection to humanity and Mm -hmm. that's it and that's it and I mean, we could go. There's been reams written about, you know, Max as a as an anti-hero, um, as a reluctant hero. I think mm-hmm. these films are some of the best. He's very much the um, of that type the, of like the passing through, like kind of almost like the Clint Eastwood man with no name. You know, these are very much yeah. westerns in many yeah. senses. Absolutely, that's another way that you can kind of approach looking at these films. They are very like Australian westerns. Um, absolutely. Uh, but I feel like that character, the feral kid, is actually very important. And I think mm-hmm. it's it's because Max, is, he has, I mean, it's something like 16 lines of dialogue. Yes. He smiles yeah. twice in that film. Yeah. Um, he has no relationship or connection to anyone. You know, he's he's ruthless to the gyro captain even after he helps him. He's, you know, he only helps people because... Uh, he only needs when something. his <laughs> needs intersect with theirs. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, and, and I think this is great. And I'm like, so I, I think it's wonderful that they stuck with this because, you know, of course, there's always such a push to make a likable character and, you know, you have to redeem them in the end and all this kind of stuff. And so it's nice to see uh, them taking risks with this. But I feel mm-hmm. like without that, without the feral kid character, I, I think we wouldn't get any kind of hint or window into uh, Mad Max's humanity, and I think that's important. Um, so, so I've, but it's interesting. I, I've I've not uh, thought about that. That was kind of maybe the seed, the seed for really going hog wild. No pun intended mm-hmm. on Thunderdome of all <laughs> of the methane factory, but uh, but really going hog wild with that and having a whole group of kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I feel like, you know, it's almost like you could, I, I feel like the kids in Thunderdome are like the Ewoks of Return of the Jedi. It's like yes. people yeah. either like love them or you hate them, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but... I, I didn't, I didn't mind the, actually, it was, what was weird was that I, I, um, and so, yeah, I thought that the kids weren't a problem in three at all. Um, yeah. I thought it was a really interesting kind of, it's a uh, huge shift. It, very it's, yeah it's yeah, a yeah. big risk it's a i big mean again risk. it becomes more like i think that it, it's just i can see the criticisms with the movie of people who are like ah oh, it's not like very violent it's mm-hmm. not got that intensity well which, and this is fair but i just didn't i didn't really it didn't bother me i don't think it was yeah there's a and i think one of the big there's tonal it's not just the violence because there's some mm-hmm. good violence in it although you yes. know, especially yeah. by today's day and a you know standards it's not gore it you no. know no. at all um I, but there's you know there's some great fight scenes um mm-hmm. that that thunderdome fight is a lot of fun the thunderdome fight is very inventive master yeah. blaster 
character. That whole idea is very inventive. Um, mm-hmm. Which is funny, know. too, because because I hadn't seen this whole movie and it's been so long since I've even seen pieces of it. Yeah. I was expecting, of course, you're expecting Master Blaster to be kind of the key villain for the movie. No, that's over. But it's over in like, yeah, in yeah. Like 20 minutes. Well, uh, and that's 30 minutes. Yeah. It's really, yeah, it's, I, I mean, I think Tina Turner is fantastic in this film. Yeah, yeah uh, she's Tina, a lot of fun. Tina Turner, just speaking of villains, as you, you, you brought that up, you know, uh, it's my understanding that Miller actually wrote the script with Tina Turner in mind. Oh, really? Uh, okay. In this role. Yep. So yeah. it wasn't uh, some kind of like, you know, stunt casting, like after the fact or something um, mm-hmm. that, you know, I've read that, that Miller said that he wanted a, you know, a woman, a strong woman who had been through a lot in her life. And of course, if you're familiar at all with Tina Turner's life, you know that she has been through quite a lot and yes. persevered and survived uh, to be obviously very, very successful. Mm-hmm. And so he uh, he knew this about her and he was like, this is I mean, that's who this character is. That's who this is. Uh, so I thought that was fantastic casting. You know, she really never did anything else. Uh, I don't think. Before yeah, she or was since. in the last action hero as a cameo. Like as a very it's small just a cameo. Role. Yeah, but she. But in terms of like actual roles, no. That's it. And so, yeah. and she was fantastic. I thought she was perfect. A great. No, foil. yeah, she really worked. And again, it reminds me like that's where it really reminds me a lot of the kind of Willow. Yeah. Um, sort I haven't of like, seen that in forever. Like where it's like it's very. I remember really liking it. Not that we yeah. want to shift gears and go into Willow right now, but. But I feel but it, like no, yeah, it, you... it feels very like again. Her character feels much more like a like, and what I liked about Thunderdome a lot was that it feels like rather than the, so like one and two very much like one is very much the prelude to like total chaos. Yep. Two is the total chaos, and three or very the much wasteland. has the feeling of like the the remnants of society and civilization building back. Trying like to you build get this that, idea yeah. of like okay, so this is what this is what the future well, is and now, th- and that's the that's the hero journey. Yeah. So and that's what I'm saying is that you know you're you're in the community you're at home you're safe mm-hmm. then you go out into the wasteland and then you come back to the community and and you have changed and mm-hmm. uh, and you will change the community so there's obviously that is like ridiculously summarized and distilled uh, to but but that's where you kind of get the structure um, so I think it works really well as a trilogy. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, tonally, I was just going to say it's it's the there's so much uh, a different approach to humor in this. Yes. And not that yeah. there wasn't any humor in uh, Road Warrior or Mad Max. There definitely are. And especially in Road Warrior. I mean, there's some, you know, some really, really dry humor, yeah. you know, but there's it's goofy stuff. I mean, you've got I think that's, you know, I'm a little torn. Um, I'm a little torn, and I know this was definitely an issue for a lot of people, but it's like everything from the frying pan, you know, in that final chase scene where the yeah. the, the witch doctor is like whacking people in the face. And then with he, the, frying the guy pan. keeps coming back to consciousness and then gets whacked in again. And, yeah. and then he, yeah, he's using it as a steering wheel. And, yeah. you know, yeah. it, a little bit of that felt over, you know, and you've got the kids like, you know, Thinking in the methane the factory, like swinging it? back oh, and yeah. forth, you know, and it's like, yeah, it's, it, it kind of reminds me of Goonies, you know. A no, bit. exactly. That's a good comparison too. Or Goonies, or like, um, I mean, almost, Ewoks, Goonies. I, like, I don't know if you ever saw the the Ewok Adventures, which were like the spin off. Never saw kids. Any of that. So I, I they were made for TV movies that I used to love as a kid. But they were called <laughs> Star Wars Ewok Adventures. There were two okay. of them, and it it almost feels very much like that, where it's like it's this slapsticky it's like this yeah it's like when the kids start swinging and you know yeah or and like the, even, the, yeah. 
there's not real there's no real risk it's like you know these kids aren't gonna die the, yeah. you know the, the, yeah. there's i think no only one of the kids really dies danger. in the sand right the, the, there is they do they the actually sand trap yeah they they actually what right and of course you've got in the 80s right it was like every what everybody was terrified of quicksand <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's yes, like clearly. everybody's dying i mean it wasn't i guess technically quicksand because it wasn't like in a swamp it wasn't wet but yeah the sand like literally swallows up one of the kids and they can't yeah. save them so but it you know so which is I, also very similar to the scene in Lawrence Arabia, which yeah. again, I was kind of mar- remarking that it's the same composer of the, movie, would... the soundtrack, and um, not only that, but it's very again, like all those long scenes of someone like with no water trampling through yeah. the desert trying to get there. Very, very much feels um, like it's kind of an homage, if if anything, to to some of the Lawrence Arabia scenes. It reminds me too of like uh, Good and the Bad and the Ugly. I mean, it's, yes, it's it's yeah. a very commonly used symbol, right? And whether yeah. it's in T.S. Eliot's The Wasteland, or it's in this book. I mean, this is... I always it, think of... Um, a landscape Spaceballs. Spaceballs. When they're in the desert, and then uh, it's like, it, you know, of course it dissolves to the sun and the sky, and you hear John Candy go, nice dissolve. Every time there's a dissolve in the <laughs> I, desert, I always I think have, that. I, I haven't seen that in so long that I, I, can't, I don't have a recollection of it. That's funny. <laughs> I mean, well, it is, you know... So let's talk about that real quick, because we you, you'd mentioned... Uh, the composer for the films so mm-hmm. you know the first two films have uh, brian may brian the, may which is not queen yeah, guy yeah. not queen but brian may did the score for those first two films and I, you know uh, especially as a child you don't like consciously notice these things mm-hmm. i mean they have a huge impact on me but you're not like analyzing them or consciously yeah, yeah. thinking of them but i was um i was kind of surprised at the like the the the, the symphonic, traditional feeling of it. traditional yeah. kind of symphonic yeah. nature of these scores and especially with the first film like really bombastic and big yes. and, lots of horns and yeah and like brass I, and yeah yeah but i but i i very much like them um mm-hmm. I, and you know you mentioned dissolves kind of that especially in road warrior 2 with kind of these the 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 swipes that they had there's just, yes I, lots I, of like transitions I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, transitions i i totally got like a little bit of a star wars vibe here and mm-hmm. there you yeah know? i thought the exact same thing with yeah, the yeah. score as well you know i was like it's kind of it's big like a williams score you know from that and it was, which is so funny too because i think again what i had mentioned before we uh just like in our little conversation prior to this was just kind of that i going into this again because it had been so long that you almost expect like i obviously didn't expect it to be the junkie xl score from fury road right but i sort of went into different. it expecting that it was going to be you know just from memory or just i guess from like it's just what you assume because you've just associated that with mad max is that it's going to be sort of like tribal or like weird instruments or but really no, it's very sparse, much a, a pretty yeah. traditional film score very. Um, and even especially during the romance bits it's like there's like the nice strings and yeah it's lush you know, it feels, yeah. It, it, I. But again, it was one of those things that I was like really pleasantly surprised with the first one. Um, yeah. I, and you know, I never not, I never didn't like it. But I, I always just remember being like, oh yeah, the first one's good, but the like, you know, Road Warriors where it's at. And then this time I was like, I really, really love this first one. Like I thought it was like so <laughs> great. And just again that opening scene when it's like it keeps cutting back to Max just sitting on the side of the road silently waiting for it. And yeah. just how interesting it is. I think it, it really is interesting to watch, you know road warrior thunderdome fury road and then kind of go back to the first one and go oh yeah like this started with max just being a police officer yeah like he was he, you know it did well not just feels... a police officer though yes the highway clearly the best 
Yes. And you, you, you mentioned it. You mentioned it in passing, but I do. You know, it's my opinion that in the first film, uh, and I it, it, and it runs probably a good ten minutes or so. I don't remember exactly, but it's a good chunk of time. That that entire first scene, which is really perfectly done, mm-hmm. all serves to introduce Max, and yes. it is one of the best character introductions you're ever going to see on film. Oh, it it's is so good. Yeah. It's absolutely fantastic, and it. I mean, and it really is an example, and I just, I can't overstate this, a pet peeve of mine, but it really, it, it is a great example of using film the way it's supposed to be used, yeah. which is, which sounds like, you know, really pretentious, like, but I mean, you know, instead of having a writer tell us what a character is through exposition or dialogue, yeah. we're, we're actually, sh- George Miller shows us who Mad Max is through his actions and through, you know, through visual storytelling mm-hmm. and, you know, any, everybody out there go back and watch this again. If it's been a long time since you've seen it, because I mean, even the is, gang member starts crying and stuff. Oh, like, clearly they know who, it's but, so but, fantastic. And, but oh, I, and I love how the inciting incident again, like people always kind of praise the simplicity for, of, um, you know, of uh, road warrior mm-hmm. and the storytelling, but the storytelling is so simple in the first one too. Like sure. just the oh, inciting yeah. incident is just the essentially the accidental death of the gang member. Like Max doesn't even really mean to kill the guy. Right. Um, it's more of just like an you know the guy just loses control of his car, and then of course yeah. that's what incites the whole, the entire plot. Everything is that the gang else coming after after the cops. It's extremely um, simple. It's a revenge yeah. film. I mean that's where I'm like it's very much like a, a an American Western film. It's, sort of you know, yeah. It reminds me of uh, Once Upon a Time in the West. Which yep. It's like yeah that that kind of whole revenge story yeah. At which is super common, and it's you know the trope of a man has his family taken away, mm-hmm. and that you know leaves him a shell of a man, and he's out to. Uh, and you really feel the emotion when when his when his wife and kid die. Oh, like that that shot of him running shot. down the road. It's and so you don't great. see them like you just you're just stuck on on. Well, Max. you see you see the shoe and the ball yeah. on the yeah. highway, and the 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 what is it the pacifier right i think yeah, the pacifier I, falls over yeah I, I i don't know if it was a pacifier or a ball or maybe yeah whatever it is yeah but it's it's so beautifully done and instead of you know getting right up in mel gibson's face with the camera and like showing the tears fall down his face like so many directors would have done in that mm-hmm. situation what do we do george miller stays way back and you've got this this beautiful you know the the your eye is drawn right to him the road just paints the way right to him off in the background and uh kind of he's tiny isolated alone this Mm -hmm. figure and it's just fantastic so yeah yeah ah good stuff man good stuff so yeah if you want to see a good character introduction check that out um and you know let's talk a little bit too so oh yeah well music let's go back to that so so yes yeah so then the third film is it scored entirely different person and -hmm. you had mentioned that the um that it was scored by da, da, Maurice. Da. I don't know how his last name is pronounced, but J R J A R R E. Uh, I don't know if it's Jar or if it's Yare or whatever. But I was um, going to have you do it because I would have mispronounced it. So let's uh, see. <laughs> I'm not sure either. But Maurice. he scored, as you indicated, of the of the many things that he scored. Lawrence of Arabia was one of the films that he did. Of course, and uh, oh, it is Ja. Is Ja? Yeah. Okay, perfect. So Maurice Ja. But yes, he did Lawrence of Arabia. Um, and you felt with, like there were some, I, I mean, it seems like you could clearly draw some correlations to those two films. Yeah, um, yeah, totally. Uh, both in, again, in the content of just the desert and stuff like that. Just but the even landscape. Just in, in, um, 
the soundtrack, you know, there's points when it does sort of feel, and in a very good way, it does have that kind of Lawrence Arabia, like that big bomb. You know, I think that um, the Lawrence Arabia soundtrack defined what what the desert sounds like. Desert sound, yeah, yeah. Like it's yeah. like every single so big iconic movie that has like so a iconic. desert sweeping dunes will use that kind of motif of like yeah. that, da, 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 yeah. da, 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 like that like <laughs> scraping, yeah, which I love. I know, um, what you're but saying. it's even used here. Yeah, um, it's like a little bit. Um, I, I agree. I and um, but I think all three films do a fantastic job. Um, you do have some more interesting kind of instrumentation in the thunder in the in the barter town scenes. There's some. Yeah, there's know, a little bit more of like a percussive, a kind of, um, especially kind of, in the in the Thunderdome uh, fight and yeah. in the when you go down to the the pig factory thing. Yes. Um, the methane. Yeah farm or yeah, the yeah. pig farm slash methane factory absolutely i mm -hmm. um let's talk a little bit about performances too you know yeah, yeah, yeah. um and, you know and, and starting with the first film i mean and to go back you know that was you asked me well what was the biggest difference when you saw the uh, the first film as it was intended as opposed uh, to having seen it with the american dub and that was what so stood out to me was mm -hmm. that you know here we have this tiny budget film it's a genre film. It's a B film. It's an Australian exploitation film. It has no right to be good. Yeah. Right. The performances have no right to be good. I mean, how many films of this budget of this genre um, have are, performances are that are even even like watch it? Right. They usually. And that's what's so surprising. All the like, there's no. And they're all there good. is no performance in this in the in um, Mad Max one. It that, speaks like, is to like, George. I think it speaks to the direction yeah, when you the, have performances. The skill of his, yeah, yeah. I mean, Mel Gibson is um, is completely. He's so young, which like wow. You know, of course, when I watched yes. this as a kid, yeah. he looked like he was forty to me. You know, when I was <laughs> six or whatever. Of course, now I look at it and I'm like, he's just a child. He's like, I think he was twenty one or something yeah. in the first film. I mean, he's like, he's so young. But, um, you know, and uh, Hugh Keysburn just, I think, steals the show in every mm -hmm. in every scene he's in. He's fantastic. But a lot of these actors, um, are, I think every every character in the film or every actor in the film builds an interesting, believable character. Yeah. That I yeah. enjoy seeing on screen. And, um, you know, whether it's Goose, I think that was uh, Steve Bisley. Um mm -hmm. Johnny the boy. I mean, you've just got every, it's so much interesting character. And I almost wonder it's like, uh, and maybe part of that is that, you know, when you're an American, and you're young, the, the culturally, you know, th these people seem a little more alien. And that I that works for the yeah. film. Yeah, yeah. But it's just there's so much personality and character. And sometimes I'm almost I'm scared that are we going to like cast that out of our films where everybody has to be, you know, cool, <laughs> cool yeah. and beautiful. And no, and I, that's why I love like things like this. I love um, just just yeah, just like I like it when movies like kind of embrace the the weirder sort of more character actory sides of I their actors it. and kind of go like go far with it, you know? Yeah, really bring bring it into the make it memorable, like really go with it. Um, all, all of the, I mean, they're visually interesting characters. The performances yeah. are fantastic. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I just I mean, especially like Hugh Keysburn again. It's like that was the biggest thing. I didn't realize how wonderful his performance was until I yeah. got to see it. Where oh, it's it so was good. actually him, where it's actually him performing instead of yeah. you know, somebody, some American dude in an ADR birth booth. No offense to whoever did that, if you're listening out there. But I mean, yeah. um, but just 
extraordinary. And I mean, Mel Gibson's performance in, and it's it's um, understated but grounded. You talked about how this film is grounded. I feel like mm-hmm. his performance is very grounded. I feel like, I mean, look, he he. I mean, just he had gives great... up. He leaves, right? Like that's what's I love about you know just the idea that this character. You really get the feeling of when he goes from just guy that's like i'm gonna go live with my wife and kid right to mad max like yeah you feel that and i think a lot of that is owed to even without hype without hyperbole without exaggerate without melodrama um yeah which which is you know the danger here you can really get to that but then and we go into road warrior and again it's you know these characters don't have much dialogue and it's one of the things that has inspired me as a filmmaker um, and it, don't misunderstand, I, I love the written word, and there are films and television shows especially that I've seen that are really dialogue-heavy that I'm very fond of. But yeah. there yeah. is something to me that is so captivating about a film that is brave enough to fully embrace storytelling through moving pictures. And The Road yeah. Warrior is just, I feel like, the epitome of that. It's, it really goes back to the like the origins of, of cinema. Which yeah, is just, I, like, you could yeah. make that a silent film. Yeah, there's no question. Road Warrior could be, a and I do film. recall a lot of people saying similar things. Again, kind of the, the the similarities between the two when when Fury Road came out was that it was it like it very much was reliant on the visuals, reliant on the and physicality. You know, yeah. these characters, these actors bring their you know, and just because you don't have dialogue, I think maybe some, some people might I don't know think well the actor's job is is less. I completely disagree. I think it's more. I no. think yeah, yeah. to 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 be expressive to bring, with your face and stuff. Yeah. Well, and specificity, you know, to yeah. bring a specificity to it, you know, um I I think is uh it is more challenging. It to, to really be to have the physicality and the specificity of of uh physicality. I mean, everybody in this. I mean, you love Bruce Spence as the gyro captain, of course, and Mel Gibson. I feel like even more comes into his own. I mean, he's so iconic and, and, mm-hmm. and like mythical in this film. Mm-hmm. He does such a great job of doing that. But I mean, ever like Vernon Wells, of course, is. I mean, the character he created with Wes is like. I mean, that's kind of pop culture. That's kind. Of, I mean, he he even like ended up, you know, doing a cameo in what was it like uh, weird science with that character? I mean, yes, it, it really transcended the film. Um, everybody was so good in that film. Even the small roles, I feel like, were uh, were just very well drawn, distinctly drawn with specificity. Yeah, yeah, and, and, then, and I think I think too, the Road Warrior is really the one that even just kind of transcended the, this franchise and really ins- like when you think of something like Borderlands or like yeah. pretty much any inspired media that has kind of come oh, from it inspired very so- much is, is it's like just those, the yeah. Mohawk having, you know, almost like hockey gear, gear wearing, uh, well, yeah, bad the, guys. Yeah. The production design and costumes of these three films had, it would be hard to overstate the impact that it had on popular culture. It, yes. it really, yeah. really, really, um, had, and you know, I, I, you could probably go back and I'm sure people have done this. You could go back and you could look at how many films had been, or TV shows had been in, inspired or had ripped off or were homages to this, yes. this trio of films. I'm sure it's in the thousands yeah um, and i actually had a question so yeah maybe this is just a clarification yeah bruce spence yeah. is he playing the same character in two and three so you're asking a question that so many people have asked and 
it, it's like everybody has this question. And yeah. I, I, I can't speak definitively, but it's my understanding that, okay, so it's one of these like really wonderful kind of beautiful things about art and cinema that, you know, everything is kind of a symbol and kind of, you know what I mean? There's fluidity. It's kind of a dreamlike kind of logic. So I think the short answer is no, mm-hmm. they're not the same character, but I mean, they kind of are related. They're, you know, it's like you bring into Thunderdome, like when you see Bruce Spence's face as the pilot in that, you you bring with you your experience of him as the gyro captain and road warrior, right? Yeah. And you almost feel like there is some connection. But I, I think literally there isn't. They're not supposed to be the same character. But of course, when George Miller decides to cast the exact same actor in a very similar in a very, role, yeah, pilot, yeah. you know that there's like people are going to think that that's connected. And so I, I think yes and no is the answer. I think that <laughs> on a on like a dreamlike film logic you know, kind of level they are. They're like, well, I almost, I almost feel like it's supposed like, because Thunderdome to me takes place so far after, um, road, like it, it seems like it takes place like way in the future that it almost seems to me like it's, it's almost like Max. It's, it's like, we're in the head of Max correlating those two and that Max seeing this, this new guy as a pilot is almost like, and again, that's just my take on it. And then when I was watching last night, that was my assumption was that, that it seems because at the beginning, like you don't really know because there's almost an implication that like Max, they it almost seems like their relationship has like broken down and that yeah. now the gyro captain is just kind of pissing Max off and stealing his stuff. And Whereas, I love that. And I yeah, love that. But you don't know exactly. And so well, I was just curious to know from you if, if, if like that, my understanding is that, that it, it is literally not, mm-hmm. but clearly there is a strong connection. And I mean, you know, how do we end road warrior? We end the road warrior to put our minds back there where Max has driven the tanker off the road. It's fallen over. Max realizes that it was filled with sand. Of course, did he know that before? We don't know. Maybe Mm -hmm. he knew and he did it. And he knew he was a decoy. Maybe he didn't. Yeah. But but he kind of chuckles at that. And who pulls up alongside him? It's the gyro captain. And they like share a smile. It's like the second only two times that Mad Max smiles in that film. Well, now open on the new film. And what's the very first thing that happens? It's the gyro, well, not the, well, the Jedediah. Call, yeah, yeah. He he bombs uh, Max off of his caravan and steals it. Yeah. So it's there's definitely a strong connective tissue there. Yeah. And it, it's but I love those kind of things. I think that's fun to. I mean, I'm a big fan of of kind of playing with expectations and yeah, yeah, yeah. And kind of leaving things is like a, leaving yeah. things open and vague. And I mean, you could really take this even further. I know the Fury Road is outside the scope of this discussion in this podcast here, but you know, there's a lot of that there too. Yeah. Like, well, what's the time frame this has happened in? Like, what's what? You know, it's these films can kind of be independent of each other. No, they're very much. I see them much more as like as or, like tableaus of yes, like they're like vignettes of yes of there's they're very serial in that way where it's like you don't really need to watch them in order. I mean, I would say of course the first one probably first because that's the one that's the most. But, but by no means mandatory yeah. at all. No, and apparently George Miller has said that they're different characters, but um, and that's that was my understanding yeah. that they're different characters. But I mean, yeah. come on, it's like when you cast the exact same person in, in the ex- almost an identical role, role and you yeah. end one movie. And begin the next movie with them, with yeah, yeah. them 
you know, it's like... And it could, and, and again, to me, it's almost, it could also almost be playing up the idea of just like, you know, people can't remember cities, they can't remember planes, they don't remember all that stuff, that it's, it's almost like your memories are so bad that, yeah. that he just doesn't remember the gyro captain. And, and I love like, playing yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah I yeah, love yeah. playing with that. And um, uh, But but no, I, and I, I think that what you were saying that was a really good point too, of just this idea that it's like, yeah, they are sort of serials of just this world. Like, they're just, like, you're coming into this world for, you know, because every single, you know, two and three especially end very similarly, which is, like, people yeah. talking about, like, and that's the last time I we ever saw him. Like, yeah. who knows well, where he went kind of thing. It's like, you know, and another way to, uh, one of the ways that I, I look at it, I feel like to me is that, so, you know, Mad Mad, these are stories that for the most part are being told uh, by somebody else. If you look mm -hmm. at the structure of two and three. Uh, these are there's there are stories that it's like this person had an experience uh, with and, and Mad Max came into their life and they are telling you the story. Right. Especially two two is very, you know, it's like, um, you know, Mad Max drove the trucker, you know, the tanker and we were able to get away in the bus with all the gasoline. And I went on to be the leader of the northern tribe. That's the mm -hmm. feral kid, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but I, I kind of get a sense that like that's Max is this is a myth. Max is a myth is like a mythical character. And mm -hmm. these are and you know what happens to myths. We know what happens to stories. It's like that'd be like people telling stories about like, you know, who, who would be a mythical character like in, in the American West, let's say Buffalo Bill. I mean, mm -hmm. there's like a million stories of this person and how much of that is true and how much of exactly. that is fiction yeah. and you know they're 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 just these they're just there's stories that take place kind of revolve around this character revolve around this 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 wasteland universe uh, and it's not a literal it's not a literal thing so i think it's like much more fun to kind of have it that way in my opinion mm -hmm. so it'll be mm -hmm. interesting to see what happens with the with the next upcoming mad max films um I, I'm a little bit scared. I'm also extremely psyched and extremely yeah, excited. Especially that considering we're gonna... that Miller is in charge of them. Well, that's so. yeah. I that would I'd be terrified, frankly, if he weren't. Um, yeah, but the fact yeah. that George Miller is is directing and there's two films, right? We had kind of looked. Yeah, this there's up Furiosa, briefly. which is in pre-production right now, and then there's the Wasteland, which is and so as I as far as I believe, Furiosa is a prequel that's just going to be centered around Char Charlize Theron's character, not Mad which Max. will no longer be played by Charlize Theron. Yeah, but, younger yes. actors. Yeah, yeah. And then um, the Wasteland is like the next Max tale like, yeah. with him in there, right? Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm a little bit scared because you always, you know, it's uh, I, I consider all four of these films in this uh, in this series to be great films personally. And of mm -hmm. course, they have we've already discussed how they have personal, emotional, you know, like I'm very connected to these films. They're a huge part of my love for cinema and my desire to be a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. um, so hopefully the will continue with the same quality and uh I'll be excited to see what uh, Mr. Miller does with these next films. But yeah. I mean, I, 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 so I'm curious um, in the, as we kind of wrap up here, uh, if you, how would you kind of rank the trilogy for, for just yourself? Obviously very subjective. We're mm -hmm. not trying to make a statement that, that this is some kind of objective, but just, you know, if you kind of like had to, how would you rank them on just your personal liking? Yeah, in of terms them? of what I enjoyed the most, I would say one, two, three um okay one and two very very close three a little bit below just because it does lose like you know you're you don't have the car chases you don't have as much yeah. of the like 
it's an, it's a PG thirteen, so it's a little yeah. bit tame. But but I did really I enjoyed as I said three a lot more than I expected to. Um, and but no, I would say that's... that in terms of this one, which is surprising because I was really expecting two to be my favorite one and then three. But no, I I something about one this time just like really you know got me on board and i was like loving it the whole time that's awesome so, yeah what so real quick too i just want to revisit so since you had not seen three in its entirety was there what was kind of the something that stood out that you were maybe surprised about or that really caught your attention i think how far in the future it's set okay i think that was the one again it's never really specified in the movie like what the date or like mm-hmm. how far it's been since the second. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I think I, I wasn't, ex- like I was really expecting again, Thunder, I, I honestly expected Thunderdome to be like a gladiatorial combat with cars, like that it was going to be ah. some like, like almost like a rally car thing. Cause Very of course, you know, the like movies destruction do derby relation. or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's kind of what I expected going into it. Cause I don't think I'd ever seen the Thunderdome scene before. Yeah. Um, so I was really expecting that. And I, I loved it though. I loved the Thunderdome scene it was a lot of fun. Like it's actually a very so fun inventive, and really yeah. inventive fight scene. Yeah. But, um, but no, I, I think that that was really what shocked me was how, again, also how much it felt like fantasy more so than just straight like post-apocalypse sort of the, like the other two. Yeah. That there was a lot more of this fantastic like, legendary mythos and, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because I mean that it does kind of highlight the like evolution of like human thought of that you get to this back to this primitive kind of cave drawings type of society. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that was the most shocking to me though the was like, how... Clips. Um, yes, yeah, and how how different it felt. And they had the TV. The I love how they have the the uh, the stick frame with the TV. Yeah, for, with the and TV that's frame. their TV. Yeah. yeah, and and the Sonic, and I mean that's super yeah. inventive stuff. I think yes. you know super yeah. inventive stuff. Yeah, uh, I you know it. I I hate to like it's it's so funny. I mean I'm the one that asked the question, and here I am saying it's kind of goofy to rank them because I think they're all they're all so wonderful, and so it's mm-hmm. like really splitting hairs to me, but. Based on like my emotional, just my emotional attachment, I would say probably, you know, Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior would be the film closest to my heart, mm-hmm. uh, honestly. And then it's a, it's really close for me. I would, Between you know, Thunderdome and, and Mad one, Max yeah. are so close. Yeah, yeah. That it's hard for me to even, even split the two apart. But, right. um, yeah. but yeah, well, I, I mean, any other, any other parting thoughts as we no, wrap I mean, I up think here? Yeah, I think, I think I've, I've said all I can say. Um, I mean, I could, well, again, then, I could talk about these for ages, but I don't you want could, to. We could. We, could, we don't want to but... go on for 10 hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I, it's like I think I made a mistake in the last episode where I, I miss, uh, you know, you have to, when we post these, you you, you uh, fill in part of like for the RSS feed information is the length. And I think I'm, I, I missed a, I typed in an extra number or something. So somebody had mentioned that, that they thought our last episode was nine, nine hours, hours long. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. Nobody wants to listen to us for nine hours straight. Oh my goodness, yeah. let me fix that. But yeah, so before before we go on to nine hours here, we'll wrap it up. But it's it's such a joy. I mean, you know, these films have been such an important part of my life, my film education, my inspiration. So it's it's such a blast to mm-hmm. to I, talk about them. And I, I do want to, you know, there's one tiny thing that I want to add, just one tiny thing, because that's mm-hmm. like, you know, we started off where we were Herzog focused. It was, you know, Werner Herzog 24-7 for us in this podcast. This is really the second episode where we have expanded past that. But I want to make a small, you know, something that really stood out to me. We've talked about this many times in Herzog's films and the importance that it is for him is this landscape of the soul, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that these films here, these Mad Max films, 
are, are just so at home with that. I mean, it, the landscape here is such a vital part of the storytelling. George Miller does such an excellent job using the landscape, selecting the landscape to represent, um, the Mad Max's soul. And Mm -hmm. I, I think he does an extraordinary job with these films with that. And some of the landscape he creates like with Thunderdome, but much of it, of course, they scouted and found like in Broken Hill and the Outback in Australia. So it, um, which someday I hope to visit, but, uh, so it's it's a little bit, a little bitty tie in, you know? Well, and I think, I think too, that just, again, it's kind of like his final thoughts. Um, if you've never seen them, Go watch I would them. say, well, A, watch them, but B, like, I think a lot of people expect almost this, like, kind of cynical, post-apocalyptic, uh, like, gray, you know, not very fun, very kind of almost depressing things. But there's so much fun. Like, there's there are a lot of fun. In, so much energy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if, if very you're kinetic, a fan they're of... Very, yeah. yeah, if you're a fan of film and visual storytelling... And they're colorful and... Yeah, yeah. ...are extraordinarily kinetic, and yeah. they do yeah. have humor... Um, and they do have action and they are, they are, and especially by today's day and age and standards, these are not actually violent films. I no, mean, in their era, means, yeah. I think they were considered violent. TV shows have 10 times the violence. And yeah, look, look at like, Game of Thrones. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. I yeah. was even thinking just like a, like a network TV show has oh, this yeah. much, vi- you know, but you're right. Game of Thrones is like, you know, <laughs> like infinitely more than this. So mm-hmm. don't be scared away by that. If you, you know, if you're kind of, there are. I would say there are some scenes where there's some violence against some women characters that are difficult to watch and yes. unpleasant yeah. now, uh, for sure. Uh, though that was actually something that also kind of stood out to me, and it's obviously yeah. like that. That's yeah. a big trope in a lot of these older films, where uh, to to like illustrate how bad a gang is or something, they will perpetrate violence against women, and that can be shown graphically, which is which is very unpleasant and, and yeah. unsettling. But um, but it doesn't go too far. Um, no, it's not. It's not. I wouldn't say it's like grotesque or over the top. It's just. It's there. It's, it's just there, and just yeah. by its very nature, it's like unpleasant. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, we'll wrap this one up. Um, so yes, uh, Mad Max, Mad Max Two: The Road Warrior, and Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. If you've not seen them, which is like I can't imagine that you haven't, go out and see them. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so uh, until next time we uh, really appreciate you um, listening we hope you enjoyed it as always Colin thank you so much for your uh, enjoyable conversation and insight these are always a blast for me to do mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, we'll see everybody next time yes bye bye <laughs>